0: Lord Jesus, we praise you for your great authority. You are the Lord of lords and King of kings. And we pray that you would come and speak to us now through your words in the scriptures. You take the words I've prepared and breathe your life into them. Speak to each one of us and give us a fresh confidence in who you are and your authority over everything else. And we ask it in your great name. Amen. Uh, when I was a uh, young adult, adult training to be ordained, uh, I was part of a church in Oxford which used to send about 100 students off to do citywide missions. I'd been as an undergraduate on these missions with Michael Green. Uh, and these are in the olden days. Some of you, this is a long time ago. And in 1987, when I was sort of 23, 24, we went to Lincoln. Um, we did street theatre, we did all sorts of schools work, we did evening meetings. And we found that drawn to hear Jesus were all sorts of people out on the streets who wouldn't have normally been. One of them was a young woman called Tracy. She was 19, and she'd been heavily involved in the occult uh, and was really messed up through the demonic. In fact, when she was nine, she'd been through some sort of wedding ceremony to the devil, and she wore a wedding ring. And she was drawn to Jesus and came back and talked with us. And one glorious night, she bowed her knee to Jesus as Lord and gave her life to him. And together with some of the team, I wasn't there at this point, uh, she went down to Brayford Pool in Lincoln and took off this ring and hurled it into the pool. And she was set free from the power of the devil in the same sort of way as in the stories we've just heard, visibly transformed. Uh, She was an artist, and she painted a picture, which I still remember vividly. It was a a picture of a grey, dark landscape with barbed wire everywhere, portraying her life before Jesus. And flying through this barbed wire was a cross, a bit like an aeroplane, cutting through the barbed wire. And as it cut through the barbed wire, there was a sort of a wake behind it, like a V-shape behind it, opening up. And she painted what was behind the cross as sunshine and trees and sky and grass. And the barbed wire was falling to the ground as paper clips. And it was the way she expressed the difference Jesus had made. I remember the last night of that two week mission in Lincoln Cathedral as she stood in the pulpit alongside the preacher and told her story, a bit like the story of the person we've heard today. Uh, I could tell other stories uh, like this, but we'll see lots of these as we go through Luke's Gospel. Jesus has the same yesterday, today and forever. He has the power over all evil and indeed all sickness and indeed over all of us. Uh, let me just recap as we come to the story. We're beginning to go quite quickly now, preaching morning and evening. A couple of weeks ago we saw how Jesus was baptised, Luke 3, 21 and 22, uh, Jesus was baptised as he was praying. Heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my son whom I love with you. I'm well pleased. Then straight away, Luke chapter 4 verse 1, Eleanor was preaching about this last week, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted. A real spiritual battle about his ministry and call. And at the end of those 40 days, we realised Jesus had gone in full of the Spirit, but verse 14 of chapter 4, he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit and news about him started to spread. Uh, He went to his hometown of Nazareth and preached in Nazareth and said that these words from Isaiah the prophet had come to be fulfilled. Uh, We were thinking about these last Sunday evening, Luke chapter 4 from verse 16. Verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up on the Sabbath day. He went in the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendants, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. There's been so much of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' baptism, with him all the way through the temptations, coming out in the power of the Spirit, uh, knowing that God had called him to be the fulfilment of that prophecy in Isaiah. And a very strong reaction to that sermon. If you were here last Sunday night, you will have heard it. First of all, they're really pleased with him. Then they take real exception to him and try and stone him. Uh, And Jesus decides that Nazareth isn't the best place for his ministry. And he comes down to Capernaum, which is where we pick up the story today. as we go through Luke, we will find Jesus' authority over everything. We'll find his authority over storms as he calms storm. Supremely so at the end, his authority over death as he rises again. But today, three areas of his authority. The authority of his teaching, the authority he had over the demonic, and his authority over sickness. And I'll try and avoid preaching three sermons. They're, these are themes that we're going to return to again and again and again. So first of all, the authority of his teaching. Uh, So from our passage today, chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. He went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. On the Sabbath, he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. Now we've had a hint of that already back when he was 12 in the temple, chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. Uh, His mother and father had found him among the teachers, listening and asking questions, Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers, even when he was 12. That has developed to the point where everybody is amazed at his teaching. We find this again and again at the Feast of Tabernacles, for example, John chapter 7, 45 and 46. Uh, They sent the guards to arrest him. The temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees asked them, why didn't you bring him in? The guards replied, No one ever spoke the way this man does. There's something about the way he spoke and his authority that just imposed itself on most people. Uh, As he approached the cross in Jerusalem, I love this bit, we'll get to this uh, uh, in a few months' time. Luke 19, 47 and 48. Every day he was teaching in the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the leaders were trying to kill him. They couldn't find any way to do it, Because all the people hung on his words. There's something about the authority of Jesus' teaching. Uh, Just one last one. The end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. When Jesus finished these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. And this raised real questions for them. Where did he get this from? We find in John chapter 7, this question is being asked, verse 15, 17. How did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Jesus has always claimed to be one with the Father. That what he says is what God says. And then Jesus says, Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Uh, Reading it and studying it is good, but it's when we try and put it into practice that we find out if this is really true. If you're here as a visitor wondering if Christianity is true, Jesus said, take his words, start putting them into practice, and you will find out. Sitting in your armchair, you won't find out. It's good to talk about it. It's good to come to Alpha. It's good to come to churches. As we try and live this out, we find that this is God's word to us, and it sets us free. Jesus teaches what God teaches. He knows how we are made. He knows how we live best, and it is the way to freedom. So in John 8, 31 and 32, we read this. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Sharing a little earlier about General Synod, uh, we have a mountain of stuff to read. But I was one testimony of someone I found striking this week. This was of a young woman who had never heard the teaching of Jesus and the scriptures on sexual ethics. She'd never heard the historic teaching that the vast majority of the church worldwide holds to, that sex is God's gift for marriage uh, and not outside. And her reaction to that was, you mean I'm worth it? it was, this was setting her free uh, to be the person she knew she was and not just to be used or abused by others, as our society would do. Uh, It's a wonderful example of how the teaching of Jesus will set us free. It's not easy. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 7 that it's a narrow road. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. uh, Enter through the narrow gate. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. And there are those in the Church of England who are trying to make the gate wider, uh, to make it more attractive That is not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is it's a narrow road, but it's the way to life. And it's difficult to live God's standards as single. It's difficult to live God's standards as married. It's why we're on the marriage course. It's why we're so thrilled that Eleanor's brought the securely single course. Uh, Eleanor's going to be on Radio 4, 10 past 8 on Sunday morning next week talking about the, the securely single course. We want to help people in this church to follow the teaching of Jesus in every way of life. And one of the keys to following Jesus is to listen to his word, his teaching. Uh, it's amazing that he gave his authority to the Old Testament. When the Old Testament said something as far as Jesus was concerned, that settled it. And he's God. He gave his authority to the disciples and said his Holy Spirit would lead them into truth as they wrote what was there in the New Testament. And we believe that the Scriptures are the Word of God as much as we believe that Jesus is the Word of God. And so we need to devote ourselves to them. I love this from the early church, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We live in a world that is post-Christendom, Lots of Christian values still in our society, but people going a different way. And we need to be more and more serious about submitting to Jesus' teaching, the way that gives life. As St. Paul put it, Romans 12, verse 2, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As we read Jesus' teaching in the Scriptures, it affects our thinking, then we can test and approve what God's will is. His perfect pleasing and perfect will. I better move on because I said I got three points, and that's in danger of becoming uh, a whole sermon on the scriptures. But the first authority is his teaching; it was recognised by everybody. Then the second strand of his authority today—the way he casts out evil spirits and his authority over evil. Let's just recap this again: uh, chapter 4, 31 to thirty-seven. Uh, In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are, with authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news spread. Of course it did. Uh, And then a few verses later, verse 40 and 41. At sunset the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. Laying his hands on each one he healed them. Moreover demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Uh, Just as an aside, one of the puzzles is why didn't Jesus allow them to speak if they knew he was the Messiah? people had a very different sense of what the Messiah would do. They thought he'd be a sort of national deliverer leading a revolt against the Romans. Jesus hadn't come to be that sort of Messiah. He'd come to bring in a kingdom where you join his kingdom by bowing your knee to him as your king. Very different. So he didn't want people uh, going shouting about and getting the wrong idea, wrong end of the stick. That's a bit of an aside. Uh, Let's come back to his authority over evil. There are people in our society who've been so messed up by the occult they know the power of the devil and they know they need to be set free. But most in the West uh, treat the devil as not real or not significant and don't take him seriously enough despite all the interest in the occult and tarot and fortune telling and Ouija and all the rest of it which really messes people up. C.S. Lewis famously said there are two equal and opposite errors you can make when it comes to the devil. You can either overestimate him uh, and be so obsessed by everything to do with the occult that you lose your perspective, or you can underestimate him on the other and kind of ignore him. And some parts of the world there's an overemphasis on the demonic in the west, not nearly enough recognition. The devil is real. But he's created. God is infinite and is far stronger. And our communion service today celebrates that the devil is defeated at the cross and through Jesus' resurrection. But he is dangerous and the demonic is real. And I've spent too much time with too many people whose lives have been messed up. And I suspect that as the years go by, we're going to encounter more and more of this as fewer people have grown up with the teaching of Jesus and the church and more of them, uh, experimenting with unhealthy spiritual reality. And I have to confess that from time to time, while I'm fully aware of the existence of the devil and his power, I sometimes forget. And I just start tackling situations as if it's purely a human situation rather i thinking, what else is going on? We live in two realms at the same time. A physical realm, stuff we can see and hear and smell and taste and touch, but also a spiritual realm. We can't see it. And just as much as there are radio waves and TV signals and phone signals running through this building, that we can't see them. If we got out our phones and switched them on, we can encounter them. So there is a spiritual reality. Jesus was very, very clear about that. So are the scriptures. The story of Job peels back the curtain to what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, My favorite story on this is Elisha's servant. Do you know the story in the Old Testament where uh, there's an army trying to capture Elisha and they surround the town where he is and his servant gets up in the morning, pulls open the curtains and sees this army. And instead of taking Elisha's cup of tea in the morning... He, says, he rushes in and says, my Lord, there's an army trying to capture you. And Elisha is not phased. He just prays to the Lord, open his eyes. And the servant's eyes are open. He can see that surrounding them are the heavenly hosts, uh, the spiritual forces. Uh, it's a cracking story you can read. Uh, I think it's 2 Kings 6, but um, I may have got the reference wrong. I haven't written it down, but one to read later anyway. Uh, Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 famously tells us, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armour of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood we don't fight against people this debate in General Synod we're not fighting against people but there's a spiritual reality going on our struggle is against the rulers, the authorities the powers of this dark world uh, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So put your armour on, so when the day of evil comes, you can stand. And after you've done everything, to stand. Uh, Peter, in his old age, wrote a letter to Christians scattered around the Mediterranean. He said this, 1 Peter 5.8. Be alert. I Wake up. Be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. He is powerful, but he's not nearly as powerful as God, and we need to get this balance right. My favorite picture of the balance comes from John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress. A Christian, his hero, who's on this journey to the celestial city and encountering the slough of despond and doubting castle and all these things. Uh, he sees the path ahead of him where he has to go, and he sees two lions, one either side. And he's a bit worried about how he's going to get past. And as he gets closer, he sees that the lions are chained. They can't reach the pathway. They can roar, they're powerful, but they can't touch him if he stays on the right path. And that's a brilliant picture of the forces of evil. They are real, they are powerful, but they are limited. God limits them. And if we stay close to Jesus, we don't need to be afraid. He is far, far more powerful and they can't touch you. Uh, on the, before the balcony was put in in this church, there was a text painted on that back wall. There's an old photo, it's saying, um, from the Psalms, that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him to deliver them. And that is the truth for the Christian. Uh, most of the way that the evil one tries to get at us subtly is by affecting our thinking, whispering lies to us. Uh, some of you may remember that this time last year, as a Lent book, we, we read this as a church, John Mark Comer's Live No Lies. How many, of you, how many of you read that? I'm not asking how many of you bought it and put it on your shelf, but how, how many have actually read it? Uh, so I got a spare copy. Who didn't read it and would like to read this? It's brilliant. There we go. I think that's Sarah at the back. Can we pass that over on the side? Pass that along to Sarah there. She her hand was up quickest. Uh, this was a superb book saying, oh, We fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is, the, in the sense of the godless world, that tempts us to go its way rather than God's way. The flesh is our own sinful desire that finds that appealing. And the devil tries to lie to us to get us to go the wrong way. Uh, just we need to remember this. And we'll, we'll hit this a lot through Luke. We had it last week the temptations in the wilderness. We'll get it when we encounter legion, the person that Jesus casts all these demons out of. We'll find Jesus gives his authority to the 12 and the 72 to heal the sick and cast out demons, uh, and more and more. And ultimately, Jesus defeats evil at the power of, uh, uh, by his resurrection at the cross. Uh, And Luke tells many more stories about that in Acts as well. Uh, So many now, if you're at all worried, can I just um, let's put this verse up? 1 John 4.4 4 is a lovely verse. Um, Dear children, you are from God. You've overcome them. The one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. If you're a Christian, Jesus lives in you by his Holy Spirit. Jesus is far greater, so you do not fear. But we do need to be aware. Uh, Finally today, Jesus has authority over sickness. His words have power, he has authority over evil, he has authority over sickness. I love this story of Simon Peter's mother-in-law, Luke 4, 38 and 39. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. And there's a fantastic three point sermon right there. One on prayer. They asked that Jesus to help her. What a great description of prayer. One on Jesus' power. He rebuked the fever and it left. And one point on her serving. She got up and waited on them. We're all called to serve, Um, mostly in the area of our calling, what God calls you to do. But all of us are called to serve when things just need doing like the marriage course coming up, needs people to help. Um, and we, want to, we got people to help when we did the securely single course. Same for the marriage. We just need people to roll up their sleeves and help. So please do. It's the way of Jesus. He sets us free and we serve. Now, there'll be a lot more about healing as we go through Luke, and I'm not going to preach a whole sermon on healing. Just to say that Jesus has the power to heal, and there is a mystery. Sometimes we find he heals and sometimes we find he doesn't. Uh, and we live in this overlap between when he came the first time and the kingdom was broken in, and when he will come again, when the kingdom will come fully, and there'll be perfect healing. And in this overlap time, we find sometimes he heals and sometimes he doesn't. Uh, I first learned this as a child in the village where my dad was the vicar. Uh, and I old boy called Arthur had a bad back. Now, Arthur was a godless old fellow, never came to church. Um, but his back was so bad, he tried everything. Someone suggested he ask the vicar to pray for him. So my dad went to pray for Arthur's back. And at that time, my dad didn't really believe that God healed. Um, but he thought, well, Arthur has asked me to go and pray, so I'd better pray for him. He went and prayed for his back. And then dad said he avoided Arthur in the village because he didn't want to have to say i try to explain why it hadn't worked. But eventually, there's a small village, he bumped into Arthur in the village shop, and out of courtesy, he had to say, how's your back? And Arthur said, oh, it's great, thanks. The day you prayed for it, it got better. It's been brilliant ever since. No one was more surprised than my dad, but he, he had to re-examine what the Bible taught about healing and started praying a lot more for it. Arthur could not believe that the God he had cursed all his life cared for him. Arthur came to living faith. Uh, so i to come into church. Some years later, Arthur's back played up again. This time he got on the phone to my dad quicker. Vicar, will you come and pray for my back? Same man, same back, same vicar, same prayer. God, please heal Arthur's back. This time Arthur's back was not healed. But as Arthur sort of wrestled with that, he found God was doing deeper things within him. And ultimately what we most need is to become whole within So we find sometimes God heals to demonstrate his power, sometimes to demonstrate his love for us, sometimes he doesn't because he's doing something more within us. We don't fully understand, uh, but we won't be perfectly healed until the day we die or Jesus comes again and we'll be in glory with him forever. There's much more to say about that, but the more we pray for healing, the more (laughs) healing there is. but I I love the bit that Christian healing is God meeting you at your deepest point of need. Um, Let's go to the end of our passage. I need to come into land. Luke 4, 42 to 44. Jesus has this authority, and yet we find his top priority is to carve out time for prayer. At daybreak, Jesus went to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I came. The crowds were pressing in on him, but he made time for prayer alone with the Father every day. And he got his guidance clearly there and he checked he was absolutely in line with what the Father was doing. Now we worship Jesus who has authority over everything. Sickness today, Satan, we'll see storms later in Luke. Why do we not make more time in prayer as he did? I want to encourage you today that Jesus has authority over everything and we need to come to him first. Every day, not just on Sundays, to give time to bring before him all the things we're facing in our family, at work, inside us, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual, to bring it to him. Uh, Jesus took time to pray every day and we need to too. I think I better stop there otherwise we're going to be here uh, cutting into lunchtime so perhaps the band will come back. Uh, All these themes we will find later on through Luke but let's stand and we'll pray together. Um, This is an extended time of response with communion In a moment we're going to sing the song Hide Me uh, Protect Me We're praying for the Lord to protect us He has the authority to protect us from all the storms We're going to come to communion where we receive the very life of Jesus by faith as we eat and drink the bread and the wine and then we're going to sing the song I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every situation He has the authority but before we even sing. Let's pray. We bow before you, Lord Jesus. Praise you that you have the words of eternal life. You have authority over everything, over creation, over health, over evil. Your words have power. Forgive us for not devoting ourselves to your words, for not taking enough time in prayer, When all authority is there, we pray pour your Holy Spirit on us as a church, on us as individuals, and give to us a deeper sense of your authority over everything. Just be still for a moment and see if anything particularly comes to mind that the Lord wants to bring to your attention. So we were praying before the service. Someone had a picture of uh, a car which needs filling up and they go to the petrol station but they don't take the cap off so you can't put the petrol in. Uh, Jesus wants to fill you with his spirit but actually you need to, as it were, take the cap off (laughs) and allow that. Open yourself up. Uh, He has the fuel. Uh, Father, we pray as we sing, as we come to your table, continue to pour out your Holy Spirit and fill us up. We, as it were, Take off the fuel cap of our life and pray, fill us up. And give us a fresh confidence in you and your ways. We know they're different to the ways of the world around us. We know that your ways are good. So give us grace to look to you and equip us to live for you and trust you. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.